Miracy. I love the idea of getting an email address because it's, you know, every ad that you run on LinkedIn is kind of like spending money on rented land. But as soon as you get their email address, now you own that and you can market to them in all kinds of different ways. Hello and welcome to Blowing Up, the podcast that shows entrepreneurs like you how other businesses exploded in the best possible way. I'm Linda Claire Puig, the founder and CEO of Six Figure Newsletters, and I'm here with my co-host, Ari Eni, the head of strategy for the ACES Business Acceleration Program at Mercy. Hey there, Linda. In each episode of Blowing Up, we showcase an entrepreneur whose business, you got it, blew up. It experienced what seemed to be a sudden success, but as we all know, that kind of success is not random or fluke. The company employed a specific strategy that caused its rapid rise in revenue. So today we're going to dive into that strategy so that you can learn from it and determine how you might apply elements of it to your business. In this episode, we consider explosive growth by ultra-specific targeting of ideal clients using LinkedIn ads. This is not typically a topic I would consider riveting, but I found this absolutely fascinating. Our guest is AJ Wilcox, a LinkedIn ads pro who in 2014 founded the LinkedIn ads agency B2Linked.com and also hosts the LinkedIn ads show podcast. This is a man who knows of what he speaks. He's managed more than $150 million in ad spend on the LinkedIn platform, including five of the world's top 10 LinkedIn ads accounts. He's a triathlete, lives in Utah with his wife and five kids, and his company car is a wicked fast go-kart. Welcome to AJ, and let's jump right into the conversation. I remember my boss on my first day said, hey, just so you know, we started a pilot with LinkedIn ads about two weeks ago, so see what you can do with it. And of course, not wanting to look stupid to my new boss, I saluted and said, yes, ma'am, absolutely, and jumped in, started trying to work in the platform. And about two weeks later, my sales rep comes up to me and goes, hey, AJ, we don't know what you're doing over here, but we are loving your leads so much that we're fighting over them. Keep it up. And I was curious what kinds of leads these were, so I looked into the CRM and looked at the sources and without fail, every single one of the leads he was mentioning came from LinkedIn ads. So long story short, over the next two and a half years, I grew that to become LinkedIn's largest spending account worldwide and said, okay, there's got to be more companies than just this one that LinkedIn ads would work really well for. So back in 2014, I jumped off and started my own ad agency focused specifically on LinkedIn ads. What are the parameters for who it's really good for or who it's really not for? All right. Excellent question. So the way that you should think about LinkedIn ads is there's a huge pro and a huge con. So the huge pro is that we can target people by crazy attributes, by who they are professionally. So their job titles, the skills they have listed on their profile, what department they work in or level of seniority, their exact company name, their company size, their industry, et cetera, et cetera. And so the targeting is amazing for getting to the right people, but the big con that everyone who's tried knows is the costs are really, really high compared to to the majority of other platforms. 
the average cost per click right now from LinkedIn, every time someone clicks on your ad is like eight to $15, at least if you're in North America. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's crazy, right? And they started out at $2 a click when Facebook was, you know, a fraction of a cent per click. So it's always been an expensive platform. So what we've figured out is the right kind of customer for LinkedIn is someone who they have a defined customer persona that they need to hit. One of our early clients was a a big HR software package. And we know the only people that make sense for them to show ads to are decision makers in HR at tech companies with over 500 employees. So we can be very specific about who we show the ads to. But because the costs are so much higher up front, it means they have to have a larger lifetime value of a customer for it to even make financial sense. So what we've said is if you're going to make $10,000, $15,000 or more from the lifetime of a closed deal, then LinkedIn ads makes perfect sense. If you're going to make less than that, it can make sense, but more often than not, unless your sales process is very finely tuned, it's probably best to just avoid. Someone who is relatively starting out on their advertising journey, A, what would it be a budget that you recommend and where do you think that they should start? Like is LinkedIn, do you think that does make sense as a starting point? Yeah, I think LinkedIn is usually the best starting point, especially if you're in B2B, just because there is no other channel where you can be ultra specific about who you're talking to. The challenge is that because LinkedIn's ads are so expensive, we find it usually takes around $5,000 in ad spend on LinkedIn to see your results become statistically significant, meaning that you would probably want to spend around $5,000. And I like to say during month one of advertising to make sure that like, yes, this program shows promise and you should want to continue it or no, this totally sucks. We should shut it off. So if your budget is below that $5,000 threshold, which for a lot of new advertisers it is, then my recommendation is still stay on LinkedIn, but do it organically. Don't spend on ads yet. Do it by reaching out with connection requests to those who would be good connections for you and try to foster relationships and have conversations. You don't want it to come off like a sales pitch for sure. I'm sure we all know there's plenty of that going on on LinkedIn and it's really annoying to be hit on all the time by companies. But if you can just have those conversations and share things organically that get people excited, once you have your business up and running a little bit from organic, then when you start advertising, it's like throwing gas on a fire. It just amplifies what you have already going for you. When you're doing all that organic work, you learn a lot about what is resonating, what isn't resonating. Because I see a lot of people when they start advertising, they spend a lot of money without knowing what actually works. I think it's my favorite thing about running things organically first is you learn how to talk to people. You learn what people react to because with advertising, it's really cool that we can set up tests and I can run four or five different ads and test, you know, what motivation are you interested in? But I have to spend money to learn all of those things. Whereas if I were just patient enough to pay attention during those conversations and have them, I can learn what the things people care about first before I ever spend a dime. Let's say that you have somebody who is impatient (laughs) and, you know, they know generally who their audience is and whatnot. They know the basics, but they're impatient and they want their business to blow up in one year, not in five years. Would you recommend working with an agency or would you recommend still doing that kind of organic work initially? If you have the money for it, I would say work with an agency because there's going to be a lot of moving parts that you have to nail down. And the LinkedIn platform is not easy to work with. It's about four years behind Facebook in terms of like the actual platform and features. And because the costs are so high, it means every mistake that you make 
automatically becomes an expensive mistake. So it's great to work with someone who already has experience, who can kind of cut through that initial learning curve. And so if you have the budget for it, you will learn a lot faster by paying for it. That being said, you'll always want at least a little bit of organic. You don't want to show ads that are just saying like, here, talk to our high pressure sales rep because no one's going to want to click on that ad. It doesn't provide any benefit. So you should always be thinking about, okay, here's the ideal customer. We know we can reach them on LinkedIn. What can we show them that will make them want to pay attention and engage? And a lot of times that's just blog posts or lead magnets or podcast episodes, something just to get on their radar and provide a lot of value. So Linda, you asked the right question for every company, which is like, how do I grow the fastest? That's going to be spending some time organically coming up with good content and lead magnets that people are going to want, and then amplify that message to exactly the right audiences, especially using LinkedIn ads. So if someone is in a situation where they're able to spend $5,000 a month, let's say on LinkedIn ads, what do you feel would be fair expectations to start seeing consistent lead flow? Is it within the first month? Is it three months? What are your thoughts there? Well, it should start happening immediately with your advertising. When you generate a lead from LinkedIn, realize that you're hitting the right people and they're registering some interest because of their lead or their click. But we don't know where they're at in the buying cycle. We don't know if they have a need or if the timing's right yet. What I've noticed is if we get a lead from Google, someone who's typing in LinkedIn ads agency, we'll probably close that deal within two or three weeks. Whereas if we're reaching people on LinkedIn, it might be a three or a four month buying cycle. So if you've got a three, four, eight, 12 month buying process, don't throw in the towel after one month of advertising and go, well, we didn't close any deals. Well, you didn't give any time for any of those deals to close. Keep it up and watch those keep coming through the funnel. And I guess that also means that they need to be very aware of their own sales cycle. Yeah. And this is, I think, the most important thing that a marketer can do is make sure that you have a CRM and that when leads are coming from any channel, they're being tagged in your CRM and attributed properly to where that traffic came from. What's your opinion of the role of nurturing your leads? Any sort of nurture that you can do on LinkedIn is extremely important, as well as for every other social channel when it's in B2B. How important is it to get their email address and get them over to an email list that you nurture on? I love the idea of getting an email address because every ad that you run on LinkedIn is kind of like spending money on rented land. But as soon as you get their email address, now you own that and you can market to them in all kinds of different ways. You can upload that email address to LinkedIn and advertise to them there. You can do the same thing on Facebook, the same thing on Google, Twitter, Quora. I'm sure TikTok has something like that. So Lots of cool ways that you can use that email address, not to mention it's pretty much free to send someone an email. So I think it's extremely important. I will say that getting an email address out of someone does increase the amount of friction from your ad. And so anytime you're asking someone for their information, we see conversion rates drop a little bit or drop a lot, depending. I'm not a sales expert, so I'm a little confused about a few things. What are you advertising? Are you advertising something that you're selling or are you advertising a free opt-in? Yeah, great question. Really depends on where someone is at in the buying cycle. If they're very, very early on, it might be ungated content that's like blog posts, general information, anything like a podcast episode, something that they would find to be of extreme value. If this is their second or third touch with you, it might be an opt-in. It might be a free guide or a free checklist or a cheat sheet, something that requires an email address. And if they're all the way through your buying cycle, let's say that they're a lead, they just haven't closed yet, then it could be product-specific features. 
or specific benefits of your product just to stay top of mind? So the very first round of advertising is just to click on something? Totally. Just recently, LinkedIn gave us a whole bunch of new ways to retarget people by what they've interacted with. So now if someone just hits like or someone comments on, or if they've clicked to my company page from one of my LinkedIn ads, I can then put them into a retargeting audience and say, okay, they're a little bit warmer because they've now interacted with my brand. Now I'm going to show them the next step in my sequence. Where would you start? On a small budget and just starting out, I would start at the very end of the funnel. I would show ads that are very much like, hey, here's my product or service. You know, click here to get a demo or to learn more about it. The chances of success on that are quite low. But if you're one of like, let's say 5% where there's a latent demand that has built up in the marketplace, and now you're just going to go in and capture that demand, that's going to be really, really straight to the point, a great investment. But if you happen to be of the 95% who you run an ad like that and no one cares, no one clicks, you don't get any leads for it. At least you know that there isn't that latent demand and you can back one step up in the funnel and try running ads just for like, hey, I just want to collect your information for some valuable lead magnet and have your sales team contact them or you go out and contact them and see. And if you can get good conversations started, you don't need to go earlier than that. But if both of those first two steps fail, then you back up all the way and just say, okay, we obviously need our brand to be built up a little bit more before we ask anyone for anything. Let's back all the way up and show them just interesting stuff about our brand before we ask for information. That's really interesting. And I feel like a lot of people maybe would start where you recommended, but the moment that they don't see it working, they would say, okay, LinkedIn ads don't work for me. Yeah. We've seen a lot of advertisers go, oh, this platform sucks. It's too expensive. It doesn't work. My customer isn't there. And it's like, whoa, did you give up like before you'd even systematically tested anything? They usually have. I would have imagined that it went the opposite that the first thing you do would be brand awareness. Like, I don't know why I imagine that, but I just, I was surprised to hear you say, start at that end and then work your way back. But it makes total sense. Well, of course, it's never a bad thing to build your brand. I just find that if you start from that side, there's two things that are not in your favor. The first is you won't ever learn if there was pent up demand for your, your product or service. So you get to learn about that by skipping a couple stages ahead into the, into the funnel. So if they do start at the end, as you recommended, what are the thresholds that they should be looking for as far as, okay, now I know I need to move back a step? If you're using the type of ad format on LinkedIn that's in the newsfeed, they call it sponsored content. I would say if you are seeing a click-through rate that is less than about 0.5%, like a half a percentage, if you see that over a prolonged period of time, let's say for a whole week straight, chances are that's the marketplace telling you that what you're showing them, they're not finding interesting. If you're paying more than, let's say, $250 per lead in North America, that's a sign that there probably isn't that much pent-up demand. And so you might spend for a week. And if you're not hitting those benchmarks, might be a clue to back up. Got it. And if we're going at the $5,000 rate per month, so spend around $1,000 to get that information and then move back. Yeah, I think it's really valuable. As long as you don't say, oh, LinkedIn ads didn't work for me. I, I spent and it was too expensive. And... My customer isn't there. Right. So spend $1,000, but still remember your full budget is 5000 to test this out. So keep at it. Yeah. And then for the whole rest of the first month, you can be showing lead magnets and actually getting like, hey, we got this many contacts, this many email captures as we go. And that's something you can show your boss or use for proof to yourself that it's working. 
And at what point would you move back even from there to just the awareness building? Okay, this is super important. The challenge is if you're showing lead magnets, you're not going to find out if this strategy isn't working for you until your sales team has had a chance to talk to a lot of these opt-ins. And so it's usually four or five months in where the client's coming back to us and saying, hey, our sales team is saying that none of these are closing or they're talking to a lot of people who are like, they set up an appointment and they're no-shows. So you have to keep in really close contact with your sales team. Or if you are the sales team, just pay attention to, do you wish these leads were a little bit more qualified because they're dropping out too soon? That might be a clue that you need to build the brand first before you have that lead capture. Super great information. Yeah, I feel like LinkedIn advertising and advertising in general feels like a mystery for a lot of people. So thank you for demystifying a lot of this and giving some clear path forward for it. Oh, I'm so happy to. Let's back up just a sec. I want to know a little bit about your background. Was having your own business something that was normal to you because a lot of people did it? Or was this a very new thing for you to go out on your own and start your own business? It was a really big deal for me. I call myself an accidental entrepreneur. I grew up in a household where my dad worked for pretty much the same bank for like 40 years. And you know, when I brought up the idea of like, hey, I've got this cool idea, he would always talk about risk. Like, no, that's too risky. Don't do it. And honestly, I'm a religious person. The only reason I actually started this company was because it was an answer that I felt that I received through prayer. Because I was like, I've got this idea, but I'm pretty scared. And the answer I got was like, this is what you're supposed to do. Like move forward with it. And if I didn't have that spiritual confirmation, I wouldn't have, have moved forward with it. I was too scared and it was not in my family's culture. It was too ingrained in you that it was risky. And now being on the other side, what I see is like, Working for someone else is risky. So let's talk. Wow, that was amazing. I learned so much. Probably the biggest takeaway from what AJ shared with us is that it usually takes around $5,000 in ad spend on LinkedIn for results to become statistically significant to you and indicate whether a campaign shows promise or should be shut off. If your budget is below that $5,000 threshold, he recommended to do your lead development organically. It means reach out with connection requests and foster relationships and conversations to learn what people care about, what interests them, etc. before you even spend a dime. Huge thanks to AJ for that very meaty speed through of LinkedIn advertising. And be sure to download AJ's gift to you. It's a resource that AJ says he wishes he would have had when he first got started. It's a comprehensive 14-step LinkedIn ads startup checklist and guide with everything that you need to launch your first LinkedIn ad. You can grab your copy of it at blowingup.rocks forward slash AJ. That's blowing up dot rocks forward slash AJ. This episode of Blowing Up was produced by Linda Claire Puig. Cynthia Lamb is our managing producer and Danny Eney, our executive producer. Post-production by Post Office Sound. To make sure you catch all the really great episodes of Blowing Up, Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. 
And if you like the show, we'd love it if you could leave us a starred review or share the show with a friend. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. I certainly am willing to admit what I don't know. I tend to hold my truths lightly. I try not to have, you know, very firm convictions because I recognize that when you move up an organization, your information is limited because you have a greater breadth of responsibility. I'm Sharon Richmond. I'm an executive coach and consultant with more than 30 years experience working with C-level executives. To Lead as Human is the podcast for you if you want to supercharge your leadership by bringing all of yourself into your role. Listen as our guests reveal their hard-won lessons and share their deep humanity. I think the turning point for me was when I realized that I want people to tell me what they think, and they're afraid. They were, honest to God, afraid to tell me things. It's like, I checked all the damn boxes, but I am so alone, and I'm so unhappy. I'm burning myself out. And when I started looking at, like, you know, my fears, going into the shadows, sharing it with others, the very thing that would be a nightmare for most people in the workplace is the very thing that led me to my dreams. My guests know that the influence they have as top leaders comes with an equal measure of responsibility for all their stakeholders. They not only deliver great results for their customers and investors, they do so by building organizations that provide purpose, meaning, and a healthy work environment for their employees. One of the hallmarks of good leadership is clarity. If there isn't clarity around the goals, that creates confusion, that, that creates chaos. What's the end goal? What are we trying to achieve? And that makes people's jobs more purposeful. And people are clearly enjoying that. People who are making their own decisions, they're significantly more motivated in doing what they're doing. Yeah, I've really seen the maturity and growth of those individuals. And I think that we've now kind of really been able to create a lot of autonomy and give people a lot of freedom to do their best work. So not rocket science, nothing too crazy, but, uh, You know, that was definitely a journey. I hope you'll join us every other week as we talk with these inspiring leaders and learn from the very human challenges and successes they've experienced on their own leadership journeys. And you asked me questions that I was like, gosh, I'm not sure I know what my values are. So I know they're there, but I'm not sure that they're articulated. So thanks for asking me those questions. They were hard.